Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and this inspiring series on generosity. This month, we are featuring awe-inspiring women who demonstrate passion for generously sharing their hearts with this world, and I am overwhelmed with complete joy each time I launch one of them to you. My friends, today's episode is one I have held on to for literal months, and I am astonished by the perfect timing for me, so I am certain her message is going to land precisely well for you. Tamara Letter is a passionate educator with more than two decades of experience as an elementary teacher, differentiation specialist, technology integrator, instructional coach, and conference presenter. She received the 2018 REB Award for Teaching Excellence and is the author of the incredible book, A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. In this episode, we not only get to learn about Tamara's inspirational birthday project that morphed into a seriously powerful message with significant impact, we also gain an inside look into Tamara's heart with a personal story she shares about the power of forgiveness in her own life. I have literally listened to this episode a dozen times already, and the message continues to inspire me in new ways. Tamara mentions one of the catalysts for engaging in a broader spreading of kindness came from the terrible incident at Sandy Hook Elementary in 2012. When this episode launches, we will be remembering as a nation for the seventh year. My hope in launching this message to you at this exact time is that Tamara's message reaches in where it needs to, to continue to shine light in any darkness in your own sphere of influence that we all hear her message, that there is a wealth in giving, and that becoming a kindness cultivator is a calling for a greater purpose. May Tamara's inspirational message spark in you a brightly lit passion for kindness, my friends. I am deeply honored to bring to you Tamara Letter's generosity story. Welcome Tamara Letter to the In Awe podcast. I am so thrilled to have you featured here and to have my listeners come to your incredible story and specifically to have you featured in a series that's just so perfectly you. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here and I cannot wait to chat some more. Tamara, I know that we're just going to be fast friends. We can already tell that. And I'm excited (laughs) to yeah, just learn a little bit more about you and, and have listeners come to you. So could you just share a little bit for the listeners who may not be aware of your story yet, a current context for what you're up to in the world? So that's a great question. Uh, I am currently working in the K through 12 public sector. I am an instructional coach and technology integrator. So my main role in my job is to support teachers in their uh, integration of technology in the classroom, but to also guide them in great instruction for their students, whether there's technology or not. And within that role, I am blessed to be able to work with every single student in the school and every single teacher in the school. And that brings me joy on a daily basis. It's such a great job to have. (laughs) I love it that you just right out the gate, like my job is awesome. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I love my job. It's true. It's a good place to be. And also just really kind of love how I get this image of you just spreading all kinds of joy to this wide range of stakeholders in your building. And that's just an awesome vision uh, for somebody who has such passion. So thank you for doing that in our world. Absolutely. It's it's funny when we're working with teachers, because a lot of times, I mean, it is such a difficult job. You have to do so many different tasks and you're balancing so many things in your life. And to know that there's somebody that's on your side, that's always there to support you, even if it's just a listening 
listening ear. It just means so much to have somebody that's there to help you and support you along that journey. Oh my goodness. Yes. And especially, you know, sometimes in different parts of the year where our feel, we're feeling the the joys, but also the burden and the stresses that come along with our role to have somebody who can be there to just help us become the best versions of ourselves and that role that you're in, which is super cool. So I want to talk to you that it'd be so easy to feature you on really any series on this podcast, but we have you here on the series and generosity. And so I just want you to be able to unpack this incredible story that has led you to be featured here on this podcast? Well, to be honest with you, I went 40 years of my life thinking that, you know, my life was pretty status quo and I was doing pretty good. I was a teacher. I was a mom. Um, I felt like I contributed to my community and, you know, all was well. And when I turned 40, I was looking for something to do for my birthday as pretty big milestone. So I was talking with a friend and uh, got this idea from Surfing Pinterest about doing acts of kindness for my birthday. So I decided to do 40 acts of kindness. And then to take it a stretch farther, I created a blog and wrote the story behind every single act of kindness that I completed. And my vision was truly just a birthday project. <laughs> something <laughs> fun to do, uh, something, some way of putting some good into the world. Um, but what I did not anticipate was how that one birthday project would be transformational in helping me discover my own divine purpose in this world and the ways that I could empower other people to also put good into the world. So it that one project started this crazy ripple effect of kindness and generosity, compassion and empathy. Um, and it really just helped me view the world through a different lens. I just, I love this whole idea of it's basically gifting other people with your spirit on your birthday, really. And it's, you know, maybe the fruits of what you were thinking, but not to the degree that it became. So can you share with the listeners what that whole passion project turned into? You know, it started with an idea, started with a blog, and then here we are. Right. So uh, it was really simple at first. It was it took a, a lot of courage actually on my part because I wanted to do nice things for other people, but I didn't realize how scary that would actually be. I mean, to talk to a stranger in the grocery store who just got their credit card declined and they're in front of you in the line and to be faced with like this monumental decision in a moment, what do I do? Do I just watch her, you know, put her groceries back or do I listen to that whisper on my heart that whips out my credit card and says, no, I'll take care of it. You know, it, it's, you're suddenly faced with these decisions that you didn't anticipate having to make in the most unforeseen times of your life. <laughs> so when I started to become a kindness cultivator or somebody that is is specifically looking for ways to add kindness to the world, I started realizing, wow, you know, we have this incredible opportunity to connect with others on a human level and to shine a light on our own vulnerabilities, to shine a light on the magnificent wealth in giving uh, that doesn't involve money. I mean, just smiling at people is such a gift. Uh, and, and we don't know what other people are going through in their lives. You know, when you're, when you're driving through your neighborhood and you choose to wave at a neighbor, you have no idea what is happening to that neighbor on that morning and how that one single act of kindness might 
actually transform their day because they suddenly realize they're not invisible, that they matter, you know, they're, you noticed them. And I think adding value to other people's lives through kindness, through generosity, um, it just reminds all of us that we're here for a greater purpose and we're better together too. So for me specifically, I started the blog. I started to do my random acts of kindness. And right about the time I was getting done, um, I was like at 38 or 39 of the acts of kindness is when the tragedy at Sandy Hook Mm. happened with the shooting. And as an educator, especially an elementary school educator, that specific event was traumatizing to me. It didn't happen in my school. It didn't even happen in my community. It wasn't even in my state. But right before Christmas time, you know, the same time of year we're chatting now, to know that someone had come into an elementary school and had done such heinous crimes to children was paralyzing for me as an educator. I just couldn't fathom how that could happen. And I noticed around about that time, um, other people were also in shock, you know, and I think it's a common reaction for people to feel powerless in the face of destruction and despair and to not know what they can do or how to help. And I saw a blurb on the Today Show, but um, Ann Curry was talking about it. And she uh, challenged people to do one act of kindness and to post it on social media using the hashtag 26 acts. So I thought, wow, if Ann Curry at the Today Show can talk on TV about kindness, and I've been doing it for the past couple of months, why don't I keep going? Why should I stop just because my birthday project is done? So I continued, um, but this time I decided to do 26 acts of kindness, but very deliberate acts of kindness. I researched the lives that had been lost. I tried to match my acts of kindness with the personalities or the, the family interests. And that journey of blessing local people in memory of those lives that had been lost made me realize that this concept of being kind to others, this concept of generously donating of your time and your energy and pouring out your love into others, it's not exclusive. It's for anyone and anyone can do it at any time. And that really kind of got those gears started for me as an educator of wanting to, to scatter this mindset to everybody that I possibly could meet and to bring it into schools as well. That's such a, it's a transforming um, message, as you stated, for a birthday project that turned into something so impactful. And I think any of our listeners could relate to that time when wherever they are in whatever context they're in about that time with Sandy Hook and just so impactful that you took a moment um, that you were primed really to just be passionate about that generous giving of spirit. And I'm just so grateful. It, It takes that tragedy and that darkness and provides the light to shine through. And so I love so much that was a part of your story and and continues to be a part of your story. So can you just share a little bit more about what you're doing then? So you've got this incredible book, which I just love. And I love that every chapter in it, you're amplifying others as well and their work to just spread these seeds so widely. (laughs) So you can just share a little bit more about a person who's listening and they haven't heard of the great book that you wrote and the message that you have. What are you doing in this world to continue to spread that? 
Well, thank you for mentioning my book. It's been a whirlwind for sure. Um, The book is called A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. And it came out in February of 2019. And the book itself is a compilation of my entire kindness journey from the start of the 40 Acts to present day. It was very important for me to be able, like you said, to spotlight other people in the book. If you're looking for kindness cultivators and you're looking to connect with people that also share that uh, kind-hearted mindset, this book is for you. (laughs) I've included people's names, people's Twitter handles, their website addresses. Um, The back of the book even has a whole list of like uh, kindness organizations and even a timeline of kindness events. I didn't even realize until I started researching it, how kindness is threaded into literally your entire year with different um, events, either nationally or internationally. And um, and yeah, so the first part of the book, the, probably the first six chapters, a really in-depth discussion of my various kindness adventures, um, w- which includes bringing kindness into my schools, doing kindness passion projects with students and empowering them to make a difference in the world. Uh, there's a section on secret sisters, which is a kind a year long kindness initiative we did for a local family, uh, who lost their son at an early age. There's a section on, um, Renee Parr, who was a first grade teacher at our school who tragically lost her life way too young. And that chapter talks about how we leaned on one another and we were able to manage our grief during such a difficult time. And then the second half of the book, the last six chapters, really shine a light on just this whole mindset of the power that you have to cultivate kindness in others. You know, it starts off as a little tiny seed, something nice that you do for someone else. And we don't often see what happens from that seed when we plant it, right? It goes in the ground and it's covered up and and, until it blooms, we have no idea uh, what's happening underneath. But when we start to see that the little sprouts come up and we start to see other people thinking deliberately about kindness and and integrating kindness into their daily habits, then suddenly we realize, wow, you know, this this little tiny seed is starting to grow and it's starting to get bigger and it's going to eventually bloom and create this garden of greatness that's going to scatter new seeds to other people. And the ripple effect that we often reference in kindness, sometimes you get a glimpse of that when you're working with people um, directly and consistently. So the book itself is just a kind of one-stop shop for everything and anything you could want about kindness. It talks about research, um, how our bodies are actually scientifically designed to reward you for kindness. You know, you get chemicals released in your body when you do kind things or you even see kind things in the world. And, uh, and the book is just a great a great uplifter um, while at the same time acknowledging the struggles and the trials that we all encounter in life. Well, it's a a wonderful gift of your light to the world. And I'm so grateful that it's out there. And I know my listeners are going to want to connect with that. And so I will be sure to share that um, in the show notes and everything else. But I also want to point out how wonderful that you took all this time to research and compile it for everybody else, because this is a time of year where it's so easy to get into this spirit. It's, you know, you see so many wonderful generosities happening throughout our communities and 
and just people coming together and, and bringing hands together to support one another. But I love so much that your message is it's year round. It's it's not just in the spirit of the season of giving. It's just that we can always be cultivators and um, give of ourselves and our spirit. And I just really value so much of what that message has. And I can't, I can't wait for my listeners to come to it. Can you share just a couple of specific things that you found in, you know, particularly uh, joyful experience to it, either as in your random acts of kindness or your intentional um, that somebody could pick up after they listen to this podcast and just kind of replicate in their own lives? Well, one of my favorite things that we did was absolutely Secret Sisters, which is um, spotlighted in chapter five of my book. And that's just where we recognized this need to uplift others and uplift a family in their greatest time of grief. You know, we had a friends of mine, they lost a son who was six years old when he passed away. And being a mom myself of young children, I couldn't even fathom the pain of that. I had another friend, Michelle, and I were brainstorming you know, of what could we do? I mean, do we bring them food? Do we send them cards? You know, and everything just kind of fell flat. And it just seemed like, you know, what, what, what does this family do in a month? You know, what are they going to do in six months? Like, how is this, how is this tragedy going to impact them if it's impacting us this way? And it's not even our own child, you know? So we gathered up women. Uh, we ended up with 12 women. So we had one woman for each month and we formed this little sorority of gift givers, I guess, uh, to uplift the family. And we called ourselves secret sisters. We created a Facebook group that was private just amongst ourselves. And our only goal was whatever month that you had, you prayed for the family every single day. You sent the family something small each week. It could have been a card. It could have been a post-it note stuck on their front door. It could be something really simple just to remind them that they mattered, that they had people thinking of them. And then once that month, you needed to do something a little bit bigger, maybe a gift card to a restaurant or, you know, an experience that they could enjoy between their whole family. And so we did this for an entire year and we would post our pictures on our Facebook group, sharing with one another the different adventures we had trying to hide things <laughs> for the family in their yard or on their front porch or how we had a friend of a friend drop something off, you know, and, and it was just something unifying and joyful about working together to decrease someone else's sorrow. And at the end of the year, we actually did reveal ourselves. We um, invited them to a potluck um, at a local park. And the first time we saw each other, I mean, there were so many tears shed. They had no idea there were 12 people that were blessing them. They thought it was probably like two or three people from church. <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> and it was people from all walks of life. Like some of us were neighbors. Some of us were friends from high school. Some of us were coworkers. Some of the people were teachers from their child's school. It was just this community wrapping this family with love. And what was really fascinating about that project was watching the ripple effect occur. So we, I started sharing the story about Secret Sisters. Um, I, I, we recorded something for public radio. Um, of course, I had my blog post about it. And their oldest daughter um, recognized another need with her in her brother's school of a teacher that passed away. And she then became the catalyst 
for creating another secret sister group to uplift that family. That was the moment when you realize, wow, you know, this really is bigger than us. And we were called to this mission. We were um, joyful to complete it. And then we just stood in awe as we watched the ripple effects of that one project for this family spread throughout the community. And now there's multiple groups that are doing Secret Sisters in private, you know, and many more that we probably don't even know about. And many more that are going to pop up, I think, after <laughs> this story <laughs> continues to be amplified. I, I needed a moment because I was feeling really emotional um, just listening to that because throughout this podcast, I've had interviews with so many different people. And one of them that's standing out in my mind right now is just, it's my mom, honestly, when she was talking about any advice to individuals who um, have either lost a child or they know somebody who's lost one. And she just said, don't ever stop talking about them and don't pull away. And this is just such a really wise and beautiful example of individuals intentionally not pulling away because like you shared, um, you're having your own feelings of, of grief. That empathy is such a gift, but it can be a hard thing to deal with. And so you're thinking, okay, so if I'm feeling this way, how can I help that family? And it's just so many people have the thoughts and do not deploy them into any type of action. And what a beautiful community created experience that could have application to so many different situations. And I just picture that family and what that must have meant in each moment, because that grief is so different for everybody. Right. Yeah. But it's so prolonged. It lasts so much longer than any one of us would expect. And what a gift to just lift others in their time of darkness. And I also wanted to point out, I loved what you said about reducing their sorrow. Like it's, it's not going to go away. Um, you know, you, you acknowledge what you're doing is not going to erase it uh, and we're not going to gloss over it. We're just going to be there in it. And I just really appreciate that real view. And it's such a healthy, a healthy view. Absolutely. And even to this day, um, the secret sister group of ladies, like we didn't really, we didn't all know each other when we joined together. Uh, I knew Michelle and I knew a handful of other ladies, but I didn't know all of them. But through that journey, we as a, as a unified group actually grew closer and, and being able to think about Nate, who was a little boy who passed away to be able to think about him, to be able to think about his legacy as a six-year-old child, you know, what his life mattered, his life was important and the different things that come out of his life and, and the short time that he was with us, you know, there's been an increased, um, interest in William syndrome, which is the syndrome that he had. Um, his name is still being mentioned years after his passing. And that was the, the biggest takeaway we had when we were trying to research how to support others in grief was their name matters and their mm -hmm. name isn't gone just because the person's gone. That person was here. That person had an impact. That person mattered. So how do we keep that legacy going? And so every time I say Nate's name and anytime I see Diane posting a, you know, five year ago pictures in review on Facebook with baby Nate, I'm like, oh, he mattered. And he's still here. There's a little part of his sparkle that's still with us all. And that's important. So beautiful. 
That's incredible. Thank you so much for not only doing it because we can do the acts in silence. You know, we worry about other people's view of, of uh, amplifying or sharing. I, I don't know if that's something you've encountered or not like this. Oh my gosh. I could write a whole book on just the, the, the dilemma that you're faced. In fact, it's, it's probably one of the most common topics of discussion whenever I do book studies on a passion for kindness, that internal struggle of, well, we're taught as, you know, children, young people to do kind things because we should to do things in private and we don't need to draw attention to ourselves. But then I'm thinking of, you know, how, how do we spread the message? How do we get other people to, to find ideas for inspiration? I mean, I went to Pinterest to look for ideas for my 40th birthday project. I just didn't sit there and had the ideas pop in my head. You know, I, I went to see someone else who had shared their story. And so I, I don't think we, we should get too caught up in what the world thinks of us as we share, if we're sharing in the right heart, you know, if we know we're sharing for the right reasons and we know we're totally not trying to say, look at me, look at me. <laughs> like To me, it's so like, oh my gosh, just the thought of that just makes me cringe. But at the same time, there, there's just like this whisper on your heart that's just pulling you to, to go and to do. And for some people, you have an extra whisper that's pulling you to share. And so when you have that, that pull to do that, do it. You know, it takes courage. It's, it's hard, but it's so, so important. Um, so that way other people can be inspired from your words and your experiences. I'm glad that we went there uh, in this interview. It wasn't planned by any means, but I've thought about that, <laughs> you know, in our world of, of social media and all of that, it's, you feel like there could be a fine line. Um, but just for anybody listening, it's great to do the, the acts in silence. Yes. And humility obviously is a high characteristic, but had you not shared your project, had you not, like you said, had other people that were willing to share, you wouldn't continue to spread this kindness the way that you have because we wouldn't know. It's, I think, part of why so many of us maybe don't do these things as consistently is that to be wired in that way, to give to one another and to, you know, pour out your spirit is it's not the way that everybody is, but also it's hard when you're trying to come up with, you know, ideas. It's so much easier if you just have a quick reference point. It's just like anything else. Um, you know, we're busy people. We are full people with full lives. And just to have people out there in the world like you cultivating this and, and actually, you know, like curating the ideas is so helpful so that we can produce more really. So anybody sitting there wondering like, mm, should I share it? I, I did this great project, but woohoo, who cares, right? Oh, every, we care, like share it. <laughs> it's a good thing. Absolutely. And something else people, people battle and I battle it too, is this whole mindset of imposter syndrome. Like who am I to think that I'm good enough or worthy enough to actually have an idea worth sharing, right? It's like the reverse of a Ted talk. <laughs> like, like who am yes. I? I'm not that important, you know, or again, I keep coming back to, I'm not, I'm not trying to draw attention to me, Tamara letter as a person, you know, you can think whatever you want to think about me. I'm just trying to share what I did 
for those that need some inspiration or those that just need to be reminded that there's good in the world. Because in, in social media, in the news, we're constantly inundated with negativity. And so I just, I have a calling, this, this, this pull on my heart that says, I've called you to this purpose. You need to be the good and you need to shine a light on what you do. And there's no other way to explain it than that, just being pulled and called to do this, this mission, this purpose. Um, and I never, ever would have gotten to this point had I not been courageous and brave to start the journey so many years ago. Oh, and I'm so glad you did and that you're listening to that call. It's so wonderful and inspirational and uh, so well aligned with pretty much everything I would ever want my listeners to hear. So it's such a gift that you've given um, today with, with this interview and that too. So Tamara, I would love to just chat with you about this project forever and also to get some ideas. So I will make sure to link all the great resources that you've provided as well as the way for listeners to get a hold of that wonderful book that you've created. Uh, created the passion for kindness, but also just want to get back a little bit to your personal story. And I know that there are just some things about you that you've, you've kind of had to overcome. And so when we talk about generosity, it's that giving, it's seeing others. And I know that you, you have a story that I think somehow I just know that a listener needs to hear a little bit about the relationship with your mom and, um, how you were able to generously uh, turn a relationship into something quite beautiful. Are you able to share a little bit about that piece of your journey? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so my mom had me at a very young age. She was 18 years old. And my appearance in her life was not quite catastrophic, but pretty close. Mm. <laughs> she, she was, she was overjoyed to, you know, have a baby, but it just came at a time period in her life where she wasn't planning for that. And back in the seventies, she tried to do the right thing. You know, she married my dad and that didn't work out. And, and here she was this 18 year old with <clears throat> not many skills having to raise a child. And she didn't have a ton of support either. So she made some decisions early in my childhood to try to find um, someone who might be able to financially provide for us and for her. And along that way of um, diving into relationships with other people, um, the relationship she had with me was kind of put on a back burner at times and um, wasn't always um, a priority. Um, and so as she finally married a man and we moved in with him and he became my stepfather, as the years progressed, there were some really, really tough times with that because he was a very controlling person. And the manner in which he would control my mom and would try to control me was often with emotional constraints and physical abuse. And so while he never physically abused me, I was always the mediator to protect my mom in situations that no child should ever, ever need to do for their parent. And it got to a point where when I started to, um, graduate from high school to go to college, my mom had an altercation where we had to get the police involved. And that was like the last straw for her. Well, that moment where she decided, okay, this is it. I can't live like this anymore, was actually kind of the beginning of the end for her. And two years later, she had divorced the husband. I had gone off to college and she attempted suicide. She tried to kill herself because she felt like her worth, her life didn't have value and her life just didn't have worth. And so for me, as a college student, uh, trying to navigate all of that, realizing that your mom, the sole person that is in your life, um, 
didn't find value in being a mother to you was really, really hard, (laughs) really tough. From then progressing for probably another 10 to 15 years, our relationship was extremely tumultuous. Um, She was very opinionated about the way that she felt that her life should be and that my life should be. And, And I don't think at that time period that she viewed me as an equal. She still viewed me as this young child that she was trying to raise and grow without realizing that I now had a family of my own. I was living in another place of the country. Uh, There came a point in time when I had just had my second child that I had to make a really, really hard decision. And I had decided that for my mental stability, I could not have her contacting me, attacking me over the phone, writing really horrible letters to me. Like it was too much. And for the safety of my children, for my mental sanity, I let her know that we needed to take a break in our relationship. And so that spawned three years of silence between she and I. And it was really hard, really, really hard. But I knew it was the right thing to do for her. I knew it was the right thing to do for me because she was not at a place that I needed her to be, to be a grandmother to my children. And I wasn't at a place that she needed me to be to help her. And three years later, we reconnected and we started from scratch. (laughs) We met at a Starbucks, a public place. We stayed for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then when things got a little dicey in the conversation, that was a good time to end the conversation. And we just started to meet at Starbucks, which eventually led to breakfast at a restaurant uh, on a regular basis, just to get to know one another as people. And it was through that journey and through that time period where I discovered the amazing release of forgiveness and the amazing grace that you can receive when you lift that burden off of yourself and you lift the burden off of others. And to be able to say to my mom, Mm. hey, I forgave you years ago for that. And to have her receive that without her even knowing that years ago, I long since let go of bygones be bygones. Um, It was such a great time of healing. And then as the course of life may be, she eventually um, got breast cancer. She got skin cancer. And then she finally was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And in the two years that she battled that cancer, we finally reached that place of mother-daughter safety where we trusted one another, we loved one another, we could talk about everything and anything, and everything was fine. Everything was fine. And to be able to be with her during that time period and to share that very last day that she was on earth. I even wrote a blog post about the very last day she was alive because it was magical. It was a magical, magical day where even in the depths of our sorrow, even in the greatest time of our grief, it was perfect. And that's what love can do. That's what forgiveness can do. That's what grace can do. It can actually truly wipe over all of those transgressions of our past if we commit to truly embracing all that that has to offer. Incredibly exceptional wisdom, Tamara. And I would... I just, I want to thank you for the gift of that story because it's so personal and has the potential to be 
very big and obviously it is, but for you to gift the listeners and me with the way that all served both her and you and now us to hear that we don't have to hold on to the hurts of our past and we can we can gradually rebuild and love and give of our spirit in a way that flows back forth to us. And what a, what a wonderful and impactful message and an honor to your mother in that retelling. Yeah, she, she was, yeah, she had a hard life, you know, and I think sometimes we don't, we don't give credit for people that have really, really tough lives. We only see what we want to see in other people's lives. And we look through that lens or that filter. And, you know, there, I don't know why bad things happen to people. And what I do know is that there are just some really awful things that happen in this world and there's no, no rhyme or reason, but we have to help one another to be able to empathize. Even if it's not our story, we have to be able to be willing to just be the support that other people need and that their time of greatest need. Well, that takes a high level of self-awareness, self-knowledge and reflection um, on your part too, because just as you would say that your mother had a hard life, clearly that had uh, an effect on yours too. So just want to take a moment and say kudos to you for your resilience and for the healthy way that you have been able to move through your own journey to reach out to something bigger and to now be able to gift your spirit with so many um, others. It's just really incredible incredible. You're an incredible person. I'm honored to know you and honored to have you on this podcast. Oh my goodness. Well, now you're going to make me blush. Like it's not not me. I'll tell you right now. It's not me. Like they always, you know, people always say, um, Rita Pearson's my favorite speaker for Ted talks. And she Mm -hmm. has the Ted talk that every kid needs a champion. And I believe that so wholeheartedly, every single person in this world needs to have a person that loves them unconditionally, that champions for them. For me, it was my grandmother. It was my dad's mom and she was my person. So while it's great to listen to the kudos and things, it is because of my grandmother that I had safety, that I had security when I was younger and that I could develop the skills that I, that I can use now, uh, to be that for other people. Yay. A protective factor for those of us in education. When we talk about how to be resilient (laughs) to tie this back, you know, our own stories align so well with all that great information that we learn and we can't forget, we've got to be champions for our students. So that's a perfect tie back. Um, And for those in our lives, let's not forget that piece of it. Um, So that's such a beautiful resonating message. Uh, And, and so um, we are (laughs) getting to the end of this podcast, but so I just want to ask you the two standard questions that, I always ask, and I, I just can't wait for your answers. So the one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, Tamara, what would you say? I would write a letter to my younger self and remind or even just illustrate that life is a marathon, not a sprint. It's so easy when you're younger to get caught up in these like developmental milestones of success and value. Like, oh, I should have a job at this point. I should be married at this point. I should have kids at this point. I should, you know, be working up the career ladder at this point. And for me, my life didn't quite work that way. It didn't follow the milestones that I thought it would. So I would I would remind myself, hey, it's okay. Like you're going to be fine. In the end, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) But you have to kind of hit the different milestones along the way. You're going to have those hurdles that you have to jump. 
but do it, jump it. Like, it's okay. Don't compare yourself to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. Find what the moment that you're in and love that moment for all it's worth. Don't worry about what other people are doing at the exact same time. Your race isn't done yet. Keep running. Oh yes. Your race is not done yet. Keep running. So wise. And so then too, for anybody listening, that's just been hearing, I mean, there's so much, so much meat into this story and your, um, everything that we've talked about today. If there's a person who's listening, who finds themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, and they need to hear your words and your wisdom to help them up out of it, what do you think you could say? Well, the first thing I want to do is acknowledge that that pit of doubt or fear is real. Um, and, and to let people know you're not alone. When you get to those moments or those days or weeks or months even where you just feel like there's no light to see at all, there's no way you can crawl out, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I promise you, you're going to be okay. Um, Don't be fearful of those things you can't see. Don't be fearful of the darkness or the unknown because the light is still there. It's just behind the clouds. You just have to wait for the cloudy day and those clouds to shift. That light is still there. It will always be there. You're going to have moments where you're going to feel the weight of the world crushing your soul. It's totally going to happen. But but don't, don't let that own who you are and what you do. There is someone out there that needs to hear your story. And you're the only one who can share your experiences that inspire other people. So when hard things come your way, when you're faced with challenges, tackle them, do it, get it done, do whatever you have to do to cross that hurdle, find your positive people that you can lead on in those moments because your light that shines and radiates from your soul is so bright. We just have to move the clouds to see it. What a perfect way to sew up what has been one of the most inspiring interviews that I've ever had. I'm so grateful for you, Tamara, for sharing your light message, for providing this inspiring interview, for giving us so many things to think about, not only during this time of year, but for the entire year in terms of how we can be generous with our stories, generous with our spirit and lift one another. I know that my listeners are going to want to get in touch with you and just not only you know, do that, but be best friends with you just the way I want to be. <laughs> you don't have a choice. That's just going to happen. I love it. The barrier. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. How um, would you recommend that uh, my listeners get to engage with you? Oh, such a great question. So uh, I'm all, I'm on all sorts of different types of social media platforms. Uh, so you can connect with me on Twitter at Tamara Letter, my name. Uh, same for Instagram uh, at Tamara Letter. I have a kindness, a passion for kindness Facebook group. So you can go if you're a Facebook user, you can go right into your search bar and just type in a passion for kindness and you can connect there. Uh, I also have a website where I continue to write about my life as a mom and my life as an educator. Uh, and that website address is tamraletter.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. I appreciate you taking the time out and for you just gifting us with your spirit. And I know that my listeners have definitely heard the mission in your message today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a joy. Hey friends, did you hear that I'm publishing a book called Lead with Faith? 
Just like the Anna podcast was a nudge to me to create, so was this book. I can barely believe that the launch is just around the corner, and I want to invite you, my In Awe community, to join my launch team. Simply click the link in the show notes to sign up. I am insanely grateful for this community and look forward to seeing what we can do together to share the mission in this message. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.